Well, it's so good to be able to be with Kingdom Company today and to be able to do this podcast and also to be able to listen to the podcast last week, which if you've not heard was brilliant from Matt, which is who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? And um, Matt asked me to speak on how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit, one of my most favorite topics and so i want to dive straight in there's lots of scripture um if maybe you're not familiar with that i i encourage you just to maybe look into it a bit more but i'm going to use the scriptures i'm actually going to read all the scriptures out and uh this is a brilliant brilliant topic and one that i know the alpha course has hugely helped me with and they do an amazing course on being filled with the holy spirit it's a weekend away and so i want to talk about how i can be filled with the holy spirit and I want to ask a question, what is the difference between someone who's a Christian and a Christian who's full of the Holy Spirit? And it's a question that many people ask, well, if I'm a Christian, aren't I just full of the Holy Spirit? And an analogy that I've heard before, and one that I think sums it up really well, is a pilot light in a boiler. And if you've got a traditional boiler at home, you'll know that when you go to turn the heating on is that there is a pilot light that is in that boiler. And maybe the older ones have it. It's constantly on. It's a small little flame. And then when you turn the heating on or you call for hot water, what happens is the gas blows over that pilot light and it ignites. And the whole cylinders then overflow with flames. And really, I think it's a great analogy to be able to say, hey, when you say yes to Jesus in your life, when you go on a journey of discovering who Jesus is, when you ask and open up your heart to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit because you can't receive Jesus without receiving the Holy Spirit. And it is like the pilot light in a boiler. But when you say I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like the boiler erupts. That noise of <laughs> goes on and it's an overflowing of fire. And that is really what happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to look at five occasions in the book of Acts of where people are filled with the Spirit. And the first one is in Acts chapter two and it's in acts chapter two verse two to four and if there's five occasions when people get filled with the holy spirit the first occasion is those who are longing to be filled in acts two verse two to four it says suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire which separated and came to rest on each of them all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here we see first different occasion, five I'm going to go through, but the first one is those who were longing to be filled. It said that they were sitting in a house and we know that they'd been there for three days. There was a longing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I definitely fitted into that category and I'll tell you my story in a few minutes. The second occasion were those who were receptive. They weren't longing, but they were receptive. And it was a group of Samaritans. And we read of it in Acts 8, verse 14 to 23. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received 
the Holy Spirit. Now, something amazing must have happened because it goes on to say, when Simon, who was a sorcerer, saw that the spirit was given on at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He said, give me also this ability so that everybody on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Pizza, pizza, (laughs) Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought that you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no power or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he'll forgive you for having such a thought in your heart, for I see that you're full of bitterness and captive to sin. You've got this whole great story here, but there's a group and they were receptive. They they basically had, had been baptized and Peter and John had placed, then placed their hands on them. They were already open to it and then... You get this crazy story of where, you know, Simon the sorcerer is basically saying, I want this. It was so powerful. It was so obvious that something had changed. He thought he could essentially make money from it. But they were very receptive, the group of Samaria, um, Samaritans, sorry. They were incredibly receptive. The third group is the hostile group. The man who became the Apostle Paul, um, first he was called Saul. And he was very, very hostile. He was known as a violent man who was very religious and would stand up and go all around the region persecuting Jewish people for believing in Jesus. And in Acts 8, we see Stephen was killed and he was known as the first martyr. In Acts 8 verse 1, it said Saul was there. That's Paul's other name. Saul was there giving approval to his death. Then verse 3 says, Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Paul was hostile, yet we know he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that the road to Damascus saw Paul being filled with the Spirit. His eyes were were blinded and and he was led and then scales came off and he could then see the truth there was this great baptism and filling of god's power you know i have a friend who many many years ago she and her husband were involved in lots of bad things drug dealing and um, various other things and they were some of the largest drug dealers in the region of where they lived And one day someone came to town and they put a tent, a big blue tent that holded hundreds of people in there. And they put it in their field next to the house where they used to do all their drug dealing from. And they used to earn thousands and thousands of pounds each month um, and weeks, actually, um, by selling drugs and doing some really awful things that really didn't help the community. But they were just entrenched in this way. And when they saw the blue tent, come to town and they heard people preaching Jesus, they essentially thought it was a big police setup and a police sting for them to essentially get caught in the act or caught um, dealing drugs. And so they went along one night and they thought, well, we'll go. And they went with all their paraphernalia, the big gold chains around them. And they turned up to this blue tent and they heard about Jesus. They heard about his forgiveness. They heard about his power. They were very hostile. And that night they decided, hang on, I think, This isn't an operation or a sting by the police. There's something in it. And they kept going back night after night until eventually they 
repented and said sorry for the things they'd done wrong and started to work plans together to put their things right and gave up the whole drug dealing thing and gave their lives over to Jesus and got filled with the Holy Spirit. This couple, they were hostile. Yet you know what? There's no person who's out of reach of Jesus, out of reach of the Holy Spirit. Even hostile people can get filled with the Spirit. The fourth group is the uninformed group. These are people who say, well, you know, I've kind of believed. I sort of see myself as a Christian as a long time. I, was, I think I was baptized as a kid. All confirmed. I don't know which one it was. I kind of go to church, maybe at Christmas or, you know, but I don't think I've ever heard much about this Holy Spirit. How many people do you know like that? There's lots of people who've been brought up in the faith or people, you know, who were took along as kids to kids church or took to some sort of Sunday school who would say, I just don't know if that is kind of everything I believe, but I don't know everything about what I do believe. Well, Acts 19 verse 1 to 9 sees these uninformed category of people be filled with the Spirit. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, well, what baptism did you receive? This is Paul straight to the point. John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, but John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's baptized in water. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. I love this. They just didn't know. And then they get baptized in water and then Paul lays his hands on them and they get filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues and prophesying. The last group is the unlikely. People who say it wouldn't happen to me. It could never. I'm not that tight. And here is just a bit of context. It's Acts 10, 44 to 47, the verses. The context is you have Peter speaking at Cornelius's house. Now, Cornelius is a Gentile. Peter is a Jew. And Gentiles and Jews should never mix. Essentially, Cornelius is an unlikely candidate. He is not a Jew. And it says this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that's the Jewish believers, don't need to go into all those details, just the Jewish people were circumcised. It says the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even on the Gentiles, the non-Jews. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Verse 47 says, Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. The unlikely. Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have these Gentile people. These unlikely people have received it just like we have. I want to just look more at the unlikely. A few things about the unlikely. They experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. What happened on this occasion? 
Well, here's the first thing they experienced, the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't know exactly what happened, but Peter says they received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So presumably what happened to them was very similar to what happened on the day of Pentecost when Peter and the others received the Holy Spirit. And, you know, there's lots of different attributes to when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, but there's some clear attributions to baptism in the spirit when people have been baptized some people prophesy some people cry some people speak in tongues some people have a deep yearning of they just know that they know that they know tongues of fire rushing wind some people want to lie down in his presence my story is a story that is so landmark to me it describes my whole journey really i was 15 years old and I'd been going to church for for since really being a kid. And I'd seen people be baptized in the spirit. And what do I mean by that? I mean, if someone tells you they've been baptized in water, it isn't like, well, did that kind of happen? Didn't happen? They just know that they know. Baptism in water, you sit or stand in that water for full immersion and you go under the water and you come out. And it's undeniable. I got baptized in a church in York in water and I went under the water and I came out. I have a friend this weekend who is getting baptized. She will know when she comes out of the water that she got baptized. Her friends will be there. Her family are going to be there. It's going to be in front of her whole church family as well. The point I'm making is this, is she will come and go, yes, I've been baptized in water. And if someone says, are you sure? She'll go, uh, yes, definitely was baptized in water. And baptism in the spirit is not just back to my original point. At the beginning, it's not just a pilot light of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is a absolute definite like moment of something happened. My life was changed. There was a filling. There was an eruption like nothing before. And I knew that this is what I wanted. I'd seen many people in my church um, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'd seen people speak in tongues. I'd seen people prophesy. I'd seen people cry, but in a way that was definitely what I would call holy or godly or touched by God. It wasn't they were upset. There was just a deep journey going on with them. And I thought, I really want this. And I remember someone saying, well, it's dead simple. You just ask. So I thought, well, I'd ask. And I went on this journey and I know the journey because it lasted approximately 12 months where every night I would ask Holy Spirit come fill me because someone had told me various people all you do is ask and I put my hands out and said Holy Spirit fill me with the Holy Spirit nothing happened and I wanted the full baptism I didn't just want to I think something happened because like I said water baptism you know you've been baptized I wanted to know that I know that I know I'd been baptized with the Holy Spirit so I did all sorts. I walked to the front of services. I asked people to pray with me. Nothing happened. I felt so stupid. But I remember every night I would sit on my bed and I would put my hands out in front of me. I'd close my eyes and I would say, Holy Spirit, come fill me. And I'd open my mouth and I'd be waiting. I'd be so expectant. Nothing happened. This went on for about a year. And then at the age of 15, we went to this summer camp with all our youth from our church. And at this camp, um, it was about a six or seven day um, camping experience where you'd have worship and someone would speak as well. And there was about 10, I mean, thousands, I think it was like 20 or 30,000 people there. It was called Stonely. It no longer runs, but it was an amazing Bible event, conference. 
And uh, we went with all our youth group and I went to every single service. But on the last night, I was so tired and I was bored and I'd seen loads of people get filled with the Holy Spirit and it hadn't happened to me. And I just thought, well, you know what? On the last night, I'm just going to go walk. And so I went walking around the site and bumped into all the other rogue characters that were walking around and had a great fun, right? And kind of wandered back to my tent and waited for all the other 20 guys to come back. And they, I remember them coming and they were like, we've just had the most amazing time. I was like, what, what, what? I remember we all sat together in the meetings. We've all just been filled with the Holy Spirit. I was like, what? I can't believe this. They were looking like, well, what do you mean? Now, what they didn't know is not only was I desperate to get filled with the Holy Spirit, in one of the moments when I was a young kid to get filled with the Holy Spirit, what I did before going on Stonely is I was so desperate that I sat in my mum and dad's spare room, which was a novelty in our house because there were so many of us. There were six kids and my mum and dad, but I think my brother had moved to uni at this point and so that his room had become like the spare room with the computer. Because in those days you could, you know, he, my dad managed to get a computer and it was massive and it was in this room. I remember I was doing my maths homework I just thought, I really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I said, Holy Spirit, fill me. And nothing happened. And I thought, the Holy Spirit said, I felt, you know, in my, in, my, in my listening to God, I thought he said, I want you to put this office chair on top of your chest and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So as like a 15-year-old, I lied down in this small, tiny box room. And I took the office chair, which doesn't sound much, but the office chair was one that my dad had got for free, and it was so heavy. It was one of these first ever original big office armchairs that one of his friends had offered him because they were throwing it out. I mean, they were throwing it out. It was so heavy. It was like made of lead and some and some. I remember putting it out on my chest. I remember thinking, I hope that none of my brothers or sisters walk in at any point. Now, you might think, well, that might never happen. No, high chance when you've got five siblings knocking around the house and a mum and dad the one of them's probably going to walk in and that was my biggest fear but i put this chair on top of my chest and holy spirit fill me now i was like or raise me from the dead because i might die <laughs> with this chair on top of me and i was so desperate and nothing happened i thought oh this is awful well, i sheepishly got back on and cracked on with my little compass and whatever else I was doing for my maths homework and just thought, I don't get this at all. Like, have I done something wrong? Am I not the right type? You know, what's going on? Nothing happened. And so then back to the story of when all my friends run back from the camp and they go, we got filled with Holy Spirit. I'm thinking, this is so unfair. This is not right. I should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, God, surely you should be able to do something for me. I remember in desperation, I just said, well, I'd love to get filled with the spirit or one of them maybe asked me, we, we could pray for you as well, Rich. And I remember just saying, yeah. And in the middle of this field, no keyboard, no band, my friends just laid their hands on me and they just started to pray. And I remember, I remember just this filling and God started to fill me with his Holy Spirit for the first time. And I can only explain it in the way that it happened to me. And as I explain it, this isn't for everyone. It was very personal to me. But it was God and he was showing me, I love you. And every time he showed me that he loved me, it was like a bit, a portion 
of love, which we know is God, because the Bible says God is love. A portion of God, of his love, dropped into my stomach and it turned my stomach, not in a painful way, but in a, a desperation way of God loves me this much. And then I started to get pictures and visions of people in church that, Maybe one, the people that I rated or respected and God said, I would throw the name of someone in church for me, someone who was older, who I used to mock as a youth and be jovial about because they were the old people. And they'd say, this is how much I love them. And I could feel it. And I don't know how long it went on for. It, it, it was so special. I ended up sitting down and then lying down, not because I'd fallen down, but just because I was what I now know was essentially resting in the presence of God. And I was being baptized beautifully and brilliantly brilliantly the church leader that i was part of that that was part of running the thing he it came to a point where it needed to be wrapped up i mean it would have just kept going but it just needed to be wrapped up and went to bed that night and got up and have never been the same since then received the gift of speaking in tongues the heavenly angelic language where you speak and my story there is i experienced the power Romans 5, 5 says the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And that is the only way I can describe what happened that night. The love of God was poured in. The second thing, and we're wrapping up here, but there's two other things. They were released in praise. So if the first thing is that they experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, the second thing of this unlikely group is they were released in praise. Acts 10 verse 46 says, it says, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. What an incredible scripture, spontaneous praise. It's the language of those who are excited, thrilled about their relationship with God. You can't help when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, that night when I was baptized in the Spirit, I wasn't like, yeah, it's all right. Are we going to go and uh, play cards back in the tent? I just couldn't help. God is so good. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Jesus. It just, the emotion spontaneous praise erupted from me same with them spontaneous praise they they heard them speaking and praising in god you know it's not a cultural thing it's not a british thing to really kind of jump and shout and 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 sing unless people are drunk that's kind of acceptable but otherwise stay in your kind of zone and don't lift your head but when you're filled with God's power, you can't help but praise all about him. You know, the third thing is, the last is, they received a new language. Acts 10 verse 46, it said, for they heard them speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is often, can be, an obvious supernatural gift that's given. But what is the gift? Well, in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1, it says, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, I have not love. I'm only a resounding gong or clanging symbol. It's an angelic tongue, which presumably we don't recognize. So what exactly is it? Well, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, it says, for those who speak in a tongue do not speak to people, but to God, which we know is prayer. So it's a form of prayer, which essentially transcends the language limitations. And then he says, in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, it says, it, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. 
when we're praising and worshipping God, often we can run out of words in our English language. And in the same way, God has given us a language to praise in that's free from limitations. When we're under pressure, it's sometimes really hard to pray in our English of what that is. And so speaking in tongues is an edification. It's a strengthening. It's a um, uh, an angelic language that you don't have to understand what exactly is going on, but it brings strengthening to you. It's not there to be used as a show-off tool. No one's a better Christian if they speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues. It's one of the most under uh, under known areas and one of the biggest bashed areas where people bash speaking in tongues. But on a personal note, it's one of the most strengthening things. I try to speak in tongues every day, not because I have to, but because it strengthens and edifies me. I've learned how to try and be mindful as I'm speaking in tongues and stay tuned to what the Holy Spirit's doing. And it's a lot less complicated than people think. And I've had amazing stories of where I've prayed for people who have never spoken tongues before to speak in tongues. And the first part to do that is just if you have a desire or a want to have the gift of speaking in tongues is to ask God. And many people say, well, I haven't, nothing's happened. And I always just say to them, that's okay. You're no lesser Christian and God's with you. My only ask is, is that you don't become cynical and twisted and you don't become, oh, well, it's just not for me because that can be pride that blocks it. But just say, it's not happened yet, but I'm trusting that God's going to do something. And you trust in the Lord with all your heart. And those people that I've found that have been able just to say, I don't understand what's going on. It's not happened for me yet, but I'm really open for it. That over a period of time, God does his work and the gift comes and you get the gift. And my encouragement is if you're listening, is if you have prayed and it's not happened, it's not just to rule that out and go, that's not just for me, but to be incredibly open and say, God, I don't know why it hasn't yet, but I trust that my desire to have it, you will give me it. And that's why I love Luke 11, verse 9 to 10. Jesus says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who receives, uh, who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And we know there that the language for ask, seek and knock is ask. Everyone who keeps on asking keeps on seeking, keeps on finding. It's not just one ask, one seek, one knock. It's a it's a continuum. It's a it's a process. And I want to encourage anyone to do that. And I love Luke eleven, verse eleven to thirteen. Jesus says, Which of you fathers, if your children asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask him. You know, many times we've read that scripture and it's about other stuff, but it's in set in the context of the Father in heaven giving his Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And if you've made it to the end of this podcast and maybe something's touched you or something stuck with you, one thing I would just ask is if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit is that you would go back 
to God in a private prayer and just say, God, I pray that you fill me with your spirit and you go on that journey. And I'm just encouraging you with my journey, the journey of when I was 15 of me praying it, probably a little bit easier when I was 15 because naivety played a play. I'm nearly 40 now and I'm not as naive as I was when I was 15. And all I'd encourage you is depending on where you are on the age scale is the older you are, the less naive you are, and you've got to fight a lot more things, but push back and push past them and be a lot more childlike in your faith and just say, I don't understand it. I don't know why it's not yet happened to me, but I hear of all these other people it has, and I hear of people speaking in tongues, and I hear of people crying, or I hear of people being filled with your power in such tangible ways. I want that. And so I ask Holy Spirit that you give me it. And you just stay childlike in your faith. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for everyone who's listening to this. I know that you know their world and their situation far greater than I do. And you love them. And you want to fill them with your Holy Spirit. And I ask for them where many people who don't yet speak in tongues but want it, I pray you lead them to it. That it starts that as they just decide to speak some words out that are in their mind that sound gobbledygook that your spirit breathes on it and that they start to speak the heavenly angelic language of speaking in tongues lord for people who've not found that baptism in the holy spirit that as they ask for it i pray that you will fill it like you did with me jesus we thank you for what you did on the cross father thank you for all of who you are, your goodness, your faithfulness, and Holy Spirit, thank you for your power. Thank you that you interpret what's going on in the heavenly realms to us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.